and and I'm really protective of a new hope. And uh, so sometimes when I hear people like, well, I don't really like that one the best. I'm like, what? You know, so uh, and I do feel like sometimes it kind of has been hurt by some of the stuff that's come uh, that's mid made afterwards that's displayed events that are supposed to be before it. Hello, fellow geeks. Welcome to the Story Geeks podcast, and thank you for joining us. You are part of a small but influential group of people we call Story Geeks. Fans of science fiction, fantasy, and comic books who love to dig deeper into geek stories to see how they impact us and the culture around us. These aren't just stories that help us escape. These stories shape our world. How? That's what we're discussing today. Don't forget to click the subscribe button so you don't miss out on any future Story Geeks content. And as always, we want to hear from you. So follow us on Facebook or Twitter and send us your thoughts and opinions by commenting or emailing. If you like this podcast, be sure to share it with a geek friend. I'm one of your hosts, Jay Shear, and this podcast is produced by the Reclamation Society. For more information about the Story Geeks podcast and other Reclamation Society projects, visit www.reclamationsociety.org. Now, let's dive into this week's episode. At the 17-minute mark of A New Hope, we meet the hero of the story, Luke Skywalker. So, I'd love for you, and I'll start with you, Mr. Young, can you describe what you think of Luke when you first meet him? Um, when we first meet him, he's sort of like the everyman. You know, he's just like the regular kid. You know, he's, he, he wants to, you know, he wants to go to the Tashi station. You know, he, wa- he wants to, you know, he doesn't want to be stuck up under his parents all the time. He's a, te- he's a teenager now. He wants, he wants a little more freedom. He's, you know, he's the average kid. Um, and that's kind of what I got from him. He's like, you know, he has big dreams, but he's the average kid. He's a good kid, kind of like just living out his life and always, you know, he wants to be kind of like, you know, all kids want to be like a, a star in their own right. Like say someone wants to be like a, like the, the best doctor or the best basketball player or the best, you know, I don't know, uh, you know, race car driver or something. But, you know, he has these big dreams, but he's just like the regular kid. And I think that's, I think that kind of helps you ingratiate yourself with him because you're like, oh, you know, he's a regular kid. Hmm. Hmm. Absolutely. What about you, Mr. Gordon? Uh, it's interesting. At the 17 minute mark of A New Hope, we actually meet not only the hero of the story, but we meet the, ki- the title character because he is the new hope. Like, he, like, that's like everything that we, uh, uh, like, you know, all this conflict's going on. We're, ex- you know, we, we see these, these two starships battling it out. We see, like, you know, the plans go. The droids are in trouble, and they're having their little adventures and everything. It shows up at the Skywalker Ranch, and then, you know, we hear Aunt Peru calling Luke, Luke, and we hear... Now, this is where we haven't even mentioned John Williams, but, man, oh, yeah. this guy gets he needs to get so much credit for this because the audio cues... Like, this is the music, this is Luke's theme, this is the guy, right? So, like, it's right away, yeah. it's made really clear right from that first second, right? Um, and uh, and so, and yeah, I mean, he is, uh, you know, I, look, when I saw him I at first, when I was younger, I, I totally identified with him. I'm like, that's the, that's the guy, that's the kid, this is, you know, this is me, right? This is my eyes into this crazy universe um and and i think you are supposed to even no matter how, what your age he is your entry point into this crazy world um but he's also you know a dreamer 
and he's not a hostile teen, despite the fact that he's got an, a like a kind of oppressive uncle, and uh, you know he's not going anywhere. And his his friends went and joined the Galactic Empire, <laughs> like they had joined the Academy, right? right? Yeah. So so like it, it, that's what he wants to do. He wants to go and be a stormtrooper. He wants to go work for the Empire. Uh, so um, it, it's it's kind of crazy, but yet that then that then we get that beautiful shot, which I think is one of the most important shots in Star Wars, is where he he goes and looks at the the sun the sun's setting, um, and we know that he's a dreamer. Uh, we know that he's looking to the horizon. Uh, Yoda makes fun of him for it later, um, and, but he he's got dreams, and they're not they're not dreams of vengeance, they're not dreams of violence, they're not dreams of evil. He honestly wants to make the world a better place. He wants to make things better for himself. Uh, he he's a he's a good kid, and uh, uh, you know he he's not the you know he's not the sexiest guy in the cast. He's not the sexiest character, but he's important, and uh, a lot has been made fun of the fact that. On you know retrospect, he's whiny, and yeah, he is a little bit. But you know, uh, considering his upbringing, I, I think I'll I'll excuse that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love that, and actually, that that reflects a lot of the same take that I had. I, one of the reasons why I started asking this kind of question is because when you look at a character from the moment they appear on the screen, and then you compare them to where they end up, you get to really see the journey that the character goes on, right? And we're going to talk a little bit about the hero's journey later in this episode. But, um, yeah, Luke is just naive. He's innocent. That, that, the thing that you just drew out, um, Mike Gordon, is the thing that I had in there, too. Like, he says in the same sentence, well, I hate the Empire, but he's going to go join the Academy. <laughs> uh, you know? And it, this is a kid realizing that, like, the world that he thinks exists actually can be impacted by him. And he doesn't think that when he starts out. He's just looking to get a, for a way to get off the farm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's pretty cool because what, of what we know that he will go on to do and what we will experience with him as he goes along to do this. He, just as we go out to uh, Mos Eisley, I mean, just the experience, the expansion of his world is just <laughs> so fascinating and so interesting. So um, really good takes. I really like that. Now, of all the characters, and we'll start with you, Mr. Gordon, on this one. Of all the characters we're introduced to in A New Hope, who's your favorite and why? Man, my God, this is this could be the toughest question to answer. <laughs> and you have some hard hitting questions. Yeah, Jay. I know, I know. <laughs> but but this one, because this one, this one honestly does change. I mean, whereas I I, I when I first watched it, uh, of course, you know, my eyes to into this universe are Luke, so I identify with Luke. But was he the guy that I was you know drawing pictures of and and really thinking was cool looking and all that uh, growing up and wanted a toy of? maybe but you know there's Darth Vader who just looked you know badass and I wanted I wanted like all that stuff um and then uh, like a lot of the secondary characters like the droids and Chewbacca and I'm not going to mention all the characters but I will say I, I want to say this uh because of my last viewing and it's probably uh because of the recent loss of Carrie Fisher but I love Leia like I was watching the last time I watched this movie, which uh, I didn't get a chance to watch it right before we recorded. Uh, I I've wa- I watched it. I did watch it uh, on the 40th anniversary, so mm-hmm. I just watched it a few months ago. Okay. Um, and uh, <laughs> I, I was like, should I watch it again? And I was like, oh, I just don't have time. And I'm like, well, it's not <laughs> like I haven't seen it 300 times. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. 
But uh, um, I would say during this last viewing, it really was Leia. Uh, she's feisty. She gets things done. She's a woman of power. Uh, she she saves them on more than one occasion. Uh, she gets them through uh, that whole uh, Death Star sequence, and um, you know she's she's the one who puts everything in motion. She's the one who sends the data and puts the data into the droid, sends it off, and, and really starts everything uh, as far as this movie's concerned. Mm. So um, and she's got a cool theme, and you know I, I had a crush on her, man. I did, I did, I I, I really did. <laughs> still do, still do. Yeah, that's awesome. What about you, Mr. Young? Man, Who's your uh, character? Hmm, it's, it's tough, because even when I was watching this, at different points in the movie, there's another person that's like your guy. But, um, <laughs> like, I love, the thing that I love about Leia is, like, she she rips into everybody when she meets them. Like, she meets, she meets Tarkin, she's like, oh, I smelled you from outside. And then she's like, then she, <laughs> then she, you know, she meets Luke, she's like, little small for sure. You know, like, like it's like everybody, she, like, she roasts everyone <laughs> that she meets. And, like, she, it's funny because she's behind enemy lines and she maintains her, you know, her, her stature, her power. Um, so I really love that about her. But then I love... Luke because everybody has been in that situation where it's like you just want something better you just want something more um, but I love the inquisitive nature of the droids even though you know C-3PO is a little more inquisitive than R2 because R2 is always like I know what's going on I've got this <laughs> like, he's like he's like I got this and he's just rolling off somewhere by himself um, but I probably say it have to be old Ben and it's because I grew up around a lot of older guys. I was always around like my grandfather and his friends and stuff. And it's something about Obi-Wan Kenobi where it's like you know there's so much knowledge, so much history there. And it's like you just want to know more. Even if I, as I saw him like talking to Luke, I was just sitting, and I've seen all the other movies, but I was just sitting there like, man, and what else? <laughs> like, what else happened in the Clone Wars? Oh, and what else? And what else have you done? And like, you know, and it's like, it's kind of like you already know, but it's just, he has a very, he comes with a very kind of like fatherly, you know, attitude towards Luke. And it, like a real surrogate, you know, loving type character. Um, but, you know, he's got the wisdom, he's got the love, but he he's also very... You know, he's very street smart, I guess you could say, in the in the galactic sense. Um, so I, I want to say Obi Wan. I think Obi Wan is, is my favorite character in this movie, um, just because of like, the way he, he cultivates, you know, he cultivates Luke very well, and even in the face of someone who's, I guess you could say, sort of an atheist, maybe? Mm. Because since the Force is sort of, they treat it sort of like a religion with the, with the Jedi Temple in it, well, with, they used to. Well, I guess we don't know that yet. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, he's like, oh, there's a hokey religion, you know, it's parlor tricks and whatever. And he doesn't, he doesn't waver in that. He's just like, well, that's fine if you believe that. But Luke, I'm gonna show you this is how this works and he never he never skipped a beat he didn't like argue about it he didn't you know he doesn't really get he doesn't get riled up he's that he's that solid rock that you kind of need you know because he didn't he doesn't get shaken he doesn't get riled up he's just like oh we got captured well mm, okay i'm gonna have to do this like he didn't he never like got shaken or anything 
even when he was in the cantina, you know, he cut the guy's arm off. But after that, he was like, "All right, let's go find the ship." Like he didn't. <laughs> like he was. Like, he was. He never really gets shaken. And I think that's the type of character that we sort of all need in our lives. We need that one, you know, man or woman that's like that solid rock that we can depend on, like that wise old sage that can like kind of like help guide us through our journey. And like I, I don't know. I think, yeah, Obi Wan. He he's the guy for me. He's he's the one for me. All right, I like that. I like those choices. You know, I'm going to go with my favorite character of all time. Um, you know, my top three are Rey, Boba Fett, but my always my favorite always goes to Han Solo. Um, and here's why, because I noticed this, especially on this last viewing. He is an asshole. Like, no question. <laughs> like, like, there's no question that he is. But what's so funny is that it's a total facade. Because yeah. mm-hmm. underneath that facade, he has a sense of responsibility. Like, he is completely upset that he dropped Jabba's cargo. Like, he's trying to act all cavalier about it and, like, there's no big deal. But the reality is, he's like, I got to pay this guy back. I got to pay him back as soon as possible. Um, he even he even is, is being totally inappropriate to Leia the whole time. But still makes the choice to come back and help her in the end. He comes back and helps Luke in the end. This is a guy who is trying so hard to prove that he has no responsibilities. But responsibility is driving him to make all of the decisions that he's making. Um, he even and pays think... the bartender after he kills Greedo. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about the mess. Like here you go. Sorry and it's sincere. <laughs> I really feel like it was sincere. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> And so I just think that there's that for me. There's just that that underlying sense of like, no, nah, dude, I know you. Like you're you're still a responsible guy. You you're you're pretending not to be, but I mean, why else would Chewie owe you a life debt? Like you've done some heroic things. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I still got to go with Han Solo for for that. But I think you guys have some excellent choices in there. And just as a note, because I don't think I have this anywhere else. Um, I was really shocked at how good the acting was this last time around. Um, So good. Yeah, especially Mark Hamill. It saves the dialogue. It totally does. The the fact that you have actors of this caliber in this, even the young ones uh, uh, that shouldn't be able to make it through, that's a true testament to all of them because the dialogue at some points is absolutely atrocious, but (laughs) but the acting is so good that they turn... These 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 lines that are kind of corny into things that we now say on a almost daily basis. Yep. Yeah. Like uh, when I got my first car, my first car was not great. <laughs> but your first car should never be great. It's a it's a character. It, it helps build character. Your, everybody's <laughs> first car should be like about 20, 30 years old and like, you know, not have bald tires and a couple patches of paint missing. Like, that's how it should be. But I, even that, I would always say, you know, she doesn't look like much, but she's got to wear accounts. Like, it's just like those those random things that, like, we always say, you know, like, it's 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 cheesy at some points, but it's perfect. Even the, I've got a bad feeling about this. I mean, people always say that. Like, it's there's just so much in this movie to love on a dialogue, you know, level that if... If for lesser actors, it might not have gone very well, like the uh, like the wretched hive and villainy, and you know, right. like all of it. <laughs> like if it wasn't for better actors, it, it might we might have been in trouble. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yep, agree, agree. All right, so we're gonna jump into this next question. Um, I'll go to you, Mister Young, on this one first. Um, this is the first time 
that the world was introduced to the spiritual concept of the force, which now is like ubiquitous. Like almost everyone knows what the force is. Um, at least everyone in the Western world, but even worldwide. So what do you think it is about the force that resonates with so many people? I think even on a, even on a level, I think on the most basic level, we all believe in the supernatural to a certain extent. And I believe that this movie displayed it so, so plainly, like they didn't make it like extra, like extra special immediately. They, they showed it very, they showed it very subtly. And I think it was the subtle nature of the force that we were introduced to that helped, helped us like gravitate it, gravitate to it so easily. Um, because if, if they would have went far out and there were, you know, all of these crazy things that the Force could do in the first movie, I think people would have wrote it off as just like, kind of like, oh, well, you know, all these sci-fi movies do that or all these fantasy movies do that. But when they, when they made the Force a little closer to home, I think, I think it helped us kind of like say, oh, okay, I, I believe that they're, you know, in another galaxy, something like this could exist. There's some like, okay, you know, and then the nature that we all have to be, to believe in the supernatural on a certain level, it kind of, it kind of made us, you know, like uh, intrigued by it, I guess you could say. Mm. And I think the way, it, the way it just came off to us was very intriguing. We wanted to know more. Yeah, yeah, definitely. What about you, Mr. Gordon? What do you think? Um, it's it's interesting. I think uh, I and that was a good answer. I I do think though that this is sort of I've heard uh, the argument made many times. Uh, I might have made it myself. <laughs> that, uh, that Star Wars is more uh, science fantasy than science fiction. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Uh, but I do believe that when it comes to the Force, it is a it's this is a, a characteristic that I think is more applicable to science fiction, because I don't think George is. George is trying to sort of uh, play the odds here, right? He's trying to walk that line, but yet he's he's saying that that or he's offering this thing that it's not magic, right? This is not magic. This is something that is real, and it's it's even got a scientific term, you know, like object and force, and those are these are scientific terms. Mm-hmm. So force is a scientific term that it's like in a way, in some ways that you that we all recognize. We are all connected. We're all made up of atoms. We're all made up of very thing, scientific stuff that you can prove, right? Biologically and, and at, at, at an atomic level. Um, so there seems to be, there should be some reason that because we're all connected, there's some force that keeps us all connected and that binds us as, as a... I, I don't even know what it's it's a, at a, on a grand scale, not just mm-hmm. as humans, not just as uh, people, not as just as life forms. But I think that there's a basis in there where it's not. I mean, I think he gets he gets caught in that trap later on when he does try to really break it down to a scientific. Like he even calls it like what mini chlorians or whatever, which he mentions right, right. once and then goes, ah, I'm not going to do that again. But <laughs> um, so that so but this is the first time where we. We, we are introduced to it and we're it's not given any structure it's not given of religious connotations as part I mean it's there but it's not really like there's Jedi but we don't really know much about them so we don't know what kind of like we don't know if they're a group that sort of 
you know, that that uh, worships this force or if it's just something that's recognized by everybody. Obviously, we get Han that says, I don't think so. But even so, we have, even though he doesn't believe in it per se, we do see that he, we kind of are, we kind of look like we're kind of given evidence that maybe he's being used by it or he's, uh, what's the, what's the word I'm looking for? He's, he's being like, he's, he's using it even though he's not aware that he's using it or that he's kind of fooling himself that he's not, um, that he's still, that it's still there even though he's not willing to believe in it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you guys, uh, both covered most of what I would say as well. I think, and I think some of what you were saying, um, Mike Gordon is interesting to me because I think the fact that we do see different perspectives on the force yeah. allows kind of like each and every person to have a role to play in the film. So if you are an atheist, right, like you can basically say like, oh, I side with Han, like it's hokey religion, right? Um, now I do think Lucas goes beyond that to say, well, no, it's actually not like it's it actually does work. Um, but at least he puts the perspective in there to start with so that you don't feel isolated in this world that he's created. Um, and I'm not saying that, that, you know, you can't be an atheist and believe before. I'm not even saying that. I'm just saying, like, it's it as a spiritual entity, it allows he allows for multiple multiple perspectives of that spirituality to be sort of addressed. Star Wars fans, we are giving away two very special Star Wars prizes to Reclamation Society email subscribers. If you subscribe to the Reclamation Society's email updates, you are entered to win the Art of Rogue One. But thanks to a special donation from Daryl Smith, who is also one of the other hosts of the Story Geeks podcast, we have a second prize, a never-before-watched copy of The Phantom Menace on VHS. That means we have two super cool collector's items, and all you have to do is subscribe to our email updates. Which, by the way, you should do anyways. So, go visit www.reclamationsociety.org, and you can enter to win there. The link is in the show notes, so go subscribe now! To, to kind of hit the nail on the head a little bit more, in what ways do you think the Force represents a positive uh, way of viewing our world? In what ways do you think it has a, have negative connotations? As we apply it to like, okay, here's a storyteller telling us a, a perspective on spirituality that he has uh, made up. Um, as we look at this and we say like, well, okay, how does the real world work and how does these perspectives change and what do I like about the Force and what do I not like about it? based on how we live our lives, what would you guys say? I'll start with you, Mr. Gordon. I don't know if I've ever thought about this. So <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I have to give you a lot of props and credit for you know something that I've been talking about and thinking about for over 40 years. Uh, it's really wonderful to be able to talk about it in ways that I never have before. So uh, kudos. Um, uh, okay, so um, I think... You know, the Force is, is, is recognized in, in Star Wars, in that Star Wars universe, as being something that even if you don't strictly believe in it, you can still, it's, it's become um, a, a definition or a, um, something that's a common use, right? I mean, people, mm-hmm. it, just like people say to each other, good luck, you know, uh, uh, God bless or whatever, in, in, in our world, People say, may the force be with you or, you know, use the force like in those terms, even if they don't really like believe in it. Right. 
Um, uh-huh. I, you know, I mean, we see Han do it at the end. Like, he's just... Like, I don't think at the end of Star Wars, at the first movie, uh, Han has, like, come to the realization that there is a force in the universe that he now believes in. Um, right. But he says, may the force be with you. He's got this look on his face like, I, I'm trying to say this without bursting into a smile, uh, like, a laugh. But <laughs> I, I really do mean the, the I, I really do hope the best for you, Luke. Right? Right. So, um, so uh, in that way, that it's it's good. Now, obviously, on the bad side, like on the dark side, there's bad connotations, and uh, you know, the, even even among his own group, like Darth Vader has to defend himself from using the Force because the, his own group is like, ah, you don't believe it; it hasn't helped you, like you know, get the plans, and you know, that's old ancient sorcerer's ways. We're moving into the future <laughs> with our technology. You know, we're you know we're 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 moving ahead you're just a part of the old school regime that we that we said no to right right um which kind of goes against like once you start thinking about well you know getting the later films and everything about the emperor's and his his plan and everything it kind of goes against that wave of it but you know this is the first movie so we'll 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 go ahead now as, as far as the real world i don't know if something like the force could you know, it's been 40 years, and I know that a lot of people have talked about the Force, and obviously as much as the Star Wars has become a huge thing and people have dressed up in it and love it and so much and everything, the Force itself hasn't really become an active uh, theological belief, right? I mean, it, right. you know, which you'd, you're, it's kind of surprising, like, oh, well, you know, with, the, with this, why hasn't it? Um, and because I think, I think it doesn't really, um, uh, it, it, I think it fails to make peace of mind with what people really get out of uh, spiritual experiences mm. um, and it doesn't offer anything uh, like, like like at least this first movie it really it, it sort of says what you know basically Star Wars says there's a there's a, a binding force that connects the universe this that we're all connected in some way and some people or if you really try you might be able to use it to move the remote closer to you but um, it's not really going to give you peace of mind. Um, for that, you, you'll need something else. And, and uh, so I think that's one of the reasons why maybe it, it hasn't caught on like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What about you, Mr. Young? What are some things that you see? Um, as far as, well, I know, I know they've tried to make, or, or I think Jedi is the religion or whatever. I know they tried to make <laughs> it a religion somewhere. And... But I think I think when it comes to the force, as far as kind of like they say that the force is kind of like just there and you can either use it for positive or negative. So I guess when you're, you know, kind of when you look at it in our real world context or something like that, um, you could say, oh, well, the the force is kind of like our will or maybe or you could even take a step further and say, like the Holy Spirit or something like that. And you could either deny it or you could use your will to impose on someone. You could use your will to help someone, you know, something like that. But as far as kind of like what it, people kind of gravitating to using, I guess, using the term the force in our normal day-to-day lives without it being a reference is it's a very interesting look at our culture because so many people use other things as if they're real, but... I think it's I think it's back to kind of like uh, you have this idea of like there is a supernatural element that exists, 
but I'm not willing to go that far. Um, kind of like, you know, Gordon was saying, like, I'm not willing to go that far. Whether it's the force or, let's say, I don't know, some mystical element or whether it's the universe or something. Because many times you'll hear people say, oh, well, the universe will, you know, if you're good to the universe, the universe will give you. And I mean, I guess in that case, you could kind of change that and use the term of the force instead. So I think in a way, people sort of use it in a real world connotation, but sort of like not exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, because I think people definitely know there is something supernatural out there. There is, aha, uh-huh, you know, <laughs> X-Files. But anyway, you know, there is something, <laughs> there is something supernatural you know, beyond what we do normally. Like, you know, you wake up, you go to work, or, you know, you you know, you know, go to school, or, you know, you make, you know, you eat some food and you drive around and that's it. But they don't know, and or may, maybe we don't know exactly how to express it without feeling weird or feeling foolish. Um, and maybe it's, maybe it's the, uh, maybe it's the, uh, the, I guess, comfort and the, the stability and the, kind of like the effortless engagement that Obi-Wan kind of like uh, presents it with that makes me like, oh man, he is so cool. He like, you know, somebody denies him and he's like, oh, you know, that's cool. If you don't like it, it's fine with me. You know, the force is still the force, you know, and it's like, and he just moves on. And maybe that's something that's, you know, extra cool about it. But I think that's why, you know, a lot of us aren't really using it because it's like, hey, this is still kind of weird to like come out in public and be like, hey, the force is real. Or to say, you know, the universe is, the universe will provide or something. Or be like, oh, the Holy Spirit is real. It's still kind of, it's kind of weird because we as a society have gotten kind of like the guy that gets choked out where it's like, oh, technology is better. There's no such thing as like nature and, you know, spiritual things. That's, that's stupid. We, we have technology now. It's mm. so much better than anything else. And then, you know, Darth Vader shows him that, you know, this is a very real, tangible thing. <laughs> mm, absolutely, yeah. But, yeah, I think that's, I think that's kind of where I, where I see it as. Yeah, those are really great takes. There was a, um, I actually did a, I did, I wrote an article for uh, a website. And there was also like a magazine. There's a magazine website. And I was um, talking about how I felt like the force uh related both related to me and my worldview and my, my only theological philosophical worldview and also how it was different from my theological philosophical worldview and i really was pissed off at the place that published it because i actually was leaving it open for people to explore it for themselves and they actually edited my article so that it made it sound like i was saying like this is the way you should all think and like you're like kind of stupid if you don't <laughs> which is really frustrating um yeah but it was, you know, I submitted it to them. It was their perspective. I could have asked them to pull it, and I didn't, but it's fine. Anyways, some of the things I, that I thought came out of that that were really positive are, um, you know, the fact that it does uh, bind us all together. The fact that we are all um, surrounded by it at all times. Um, these things are, like, super comforting. Um, I think that we can look for those things in the world religions that we all um, choose to follow those things I think can be seen as really true and really rewarding 
Um, the fact that there's something bigger than ourselves is also something that's really, really, really positive about the way the Force works. And we've seen, not necessarily in this film, but we've seen in other films, we've seen characters use the Force to meditate. Um, even in Rogue One, there's characters that are praying um, with the Force. And I think that those can be really positive things. I think there's articles that are being published all the time about how meditation is something that um, is really, really, really positive for us as human beings. So there's lots of things about the Force that represent positive ways of viewing our own world, I think. We can find a lot of correlations there. I do think that the Force has some negative connotations as well. And that's, you know, for example, uh, if you have more midichlorians, this is what we've learned now, because um, we didn't know this before. <laughs> if you have more midichlorians, you then can use the force. But if you don't, so, you know, if, if I'm sitting here and, you know, Michael Young has a high midichlorian count and uh, Michael Gordon has like a medium midichlorian count and I don't have any, guess what? It sucks to be me, right? Like, it's just a very, it's a hierarchical structure created by the spiritual force which I think is one of those things that's just sort of like, it's, it's weird. And we don't, I, I think it has some negative connotations to it. Um, it would be akin to saying, oh, well, yeah, you get to, you get to be let into uh, you know, Nirvana or heaven or whatever, but you can't because your, your midichlorian count isn't high enough. Um, so I think that there's, there are some negative aspects to the force as well, uh, including the concept of this gets really in depth and we won't go here right now, but what does it mean to have balance? And, and we've done some really deep dives into this into other podcasts. So you can listen to some of those podcasts to see what we think it means to have balance. Um, but certainly when we say, and I think even when George Lucas has admitted this, when they say balance, they mean a balance towards good, not a balance towards uh, the Sith and what the Sith are doing. So, um, so yeah, really interesting discussion. Um, I'm glad, uh, Mike Gordon, that we got to talk about something new, right? Like, it's, why not talk about something new that we've never talked about? That's cool um, and exciting. So now we're going to come to Mike Gordon's question that he submitted. Um, and I was teasing him before we started recording because even in the wording of the question, it sounds super Mike Gordon-y, um, <laughs> which is awesome. Uh, since A New Hope was made first out of all the films and a risky production it was it's the only film that was made as a standalone adventure in what ways have the subsequent subsequent sequels and prequels enhanced or damaged the original film of the franchise and since mr gordon submitted the question i'm going to ask mr young to respond first uh i think i think the the um the other films have helped build this film up because whenever you go and watch this film, you know that there's so much history there. Like you know, like when uh, you see the droids, you know they've been on all of these adventures already. You know that C-3PO's mind has been wiped and R2's hasn't. Uh, you know that uh, when uh, uh, Obi-Wan mentions the Clone Wars, you're like, yeah. the clone. And you can think of the Clone Wars in the film, you can think of the animated series, you can know like there were so many worlds and so many adventures. And uh, when he even talks about his father, you know, you can, you know, think back to, I guess, the good times. And it's interesting to think back on their lives as if they're real lives, because, you know, we love this property so much, but you can think back to the good times 
when it was just like, oh, you know, they were friends. That Well, I mean, I guess it was a war, so I guess it wasn't that good. But, you know, they were friends. And, you know, Anakin was good. And, uh, you know, he, he had some kids on the way. Or, you know, you can think back to Ahsoka. Or you can say, well, um, or even when the movie opens up, you, you know, when the crawl is going, you're like, wow, you know, the rebels finally got their first win. You know, they finally put a little, you know, a little dirt on the face of the Empire. They just, like, they just got one up on them. Um, you know, they have these, you know, they have these plans. They just, you know, maybe solidified themselves as a real threat. Um, so, like, there's so much history that you can even look to the future where it's like, um, you know, you look at Luke and you, like, you think, oh, well, you know, right now he doesn't seem like much. But when he comes back in Return of the Jedi, you know, he'll be a man then. He'll be a fully formed Jedi, you know, and he'll be, he'll have his own power. He'll have, you know, he'll be able to defend himself justly. Um, you know, you can think about like Han and all that stuff. And it, I think it just provides more and more history for us to like talk about and enjoy. So I think it actually builds this movie up as like the granddaddy of everything. Yeah. What about you? What are you about you, Mr. Gordon? You can answer your own question. <laughs> <laughs> I can answer my own question. Well, it's something that I, I think about uh, because, you know, I mean, um, since there's been obviously sequels and prequels, I, you know, it's interesting for me to watch the original now. And for the most part, for the most part, I can watch it and I'm in nostalgia view. I can take it for itself. I don't think of. You know, I don't think of anything that comes after. I don't think of anything that comes before. I'm just watching this as it unfolds, and I'm just as in, in, in involved in it and escaping it just as much as I did when I was, you know, when I saw it in 1977. Um, so, uh, so it's to the film's credit. Now, I will say there's a few bumps along those lines, though. There's a few times where I'm like, whoa, and and I will say what uh, what really sparked it this time for me was on this viewing when the last viewing that I had. Uh, when I watched it, um, I was watching the sequence um, in particular where um, Obi-Wan is talking to Luke for the first time. They go back to, you know, he saves him from the same people and they go back to Obi-Wan's crib and they're just hanging out. And um, uh, now, now, of course, we now know when we look at that scene and and Luke goes, what happened to my father? You know, Obi-Wan has that great moment where he kind of stops for a second before he answers and when we first saw it, we're like, oh, he's just mm. uncomfortable answering this for him. But now we know, like, nope, he's about to lie. Like, <laughs> so, yeah, it's so, like he has to figure out the political way to answer yeah, this. Exactly. And, uh, you know, when I'm and he's telling all this stuff about, you know, Vader when, you know, when I'm like, how does he know that Vader and Anakin are the same guy? Because I don't think we know that, that he made that connection. But we'll we'll give him that so we'll give him that he knows and he's making a and he's and he's sort of just telling luke a, a fib here um but what really hit me this time and i guess it's because i was so focused on leia's character is right before that happens when when uh you know he's he's saying well what brings you out here and he's like well that droid and he's like i don't remember owning a droid even though we've seen him own several droids um <laughs> <laughs> and he goes he goes, uh, well, he's got a message. Oh, I seem to have found it. Boom. And we see Leia. And she's like helping Obi-Wan Kenobi. She tells who she is and she explains what the situation is. Please come to Alderaan and save and help us out. All right? And at that moment, Obi-Wan like, looks at Luke and I'm like, and it hit me like lightning for the first time. And 
pardon me, I might be just slow to this, and you guys might have caught to this uh, all along, but I was like, wow, he totally knows who Leia is, right. and he totally knows that Leia's brother is sitting right across from him, mm. and he is now deciding, I'm going to take Luke to meet his real sister, and and we're going to help out with what's going on. I'm gonna I'm gonna reunite the twins. This is something that I've you know that they've been split up since birth, and now I know it's time to reunite the twins. But my guess is that the plan was when they get to Alderaan, he's gonna be like, you know, Luke, this is Leia, your sister, and then they're gonna like he's gonna tell him the whole thing. Um, mm. I think. Um, right. <laughs> uh, I I don't know, but um, certainly maybe he even has. Uh, an idea that maybe he can train them both. Um, who knows? Uh, he never gets that chance. And of course, they, the secret is uh, is is still kept until uh, at least the next movie. And then for Leia, she doesn't even find out till much later. So um, it's just a different way of looking at things. And um, I also noticed in this viewing that uh, since I've seen Rogue One. That you know, you get this this huge battle that ha that takes place right before the events of New Hope, where Darth Vader just slaughters like a whole bunch of rebels to get to the tapes, and he fails at doing so. And yet, when he boards this other ship, he just kind of lets everybody, all the stormtroopers, go ahead of him, and he just cruises on in. I'm like, man, if Vader was really part like feeling that same passion and that same vengeance to get those tapes back. He just goes storming right in and take care of everybody again, but so I do think negatively, I do think negatively that Rogue One has has hurt A New Hope at least in my eyes a little bit because of some of the, the connections that are made, and even more so with with the prequels having to sort of fit these sort of round holes into square pegs to try to get everything to match perfectly. They they like George didn't really do a great job with that. And and so in in that case when you watch them start to finish one through uh well whatever it's going to be now um I think there's going to it's it gets really bumpy. And and I think for some people, especially younger generations who didn't start with New Hope, I think it hurts New Hope a little bit. Yeah. And I'm I'm going to be um team Gordon on this one cuz I I this last viewing I noticed some of the same things. Um and it's, it's not like they're major issues. They're just minor issues where the problem is, I think, that it kind of takes you out of the story for a second because you're trying to determine, like, for example, this is a really small thing, but having seen Rogue One, I know how they got the plans, right? So when Vader says, I know these plans were beamed to this ship, I'm like, well, I mean, not really. They were beamed to the other ship and then saved to a disc and then somebody took the disc to the other ship you know what I mean? like but see the problem is is that like that just takes oh, me out of the story boy. just long enough you know what i mean it's those kinds of things and i know that that's not really fair right um but at the same time they created these problems for themselves yeah and i appreciate so i in, in regards to like my fandom i'm team young on the fact that like I'm so glad that we have so many things now that we can invest in. And I haven't even invested in all of them. I mean, I've seen the Ewok movies from way back in the day, but I still haven't seen uh, <laughs> you know, Star Wars Rebels. Um, so oh, I, wow. I'm yeah, I know. So you I'm need excited. to correct that. Let's just put, let's just put that out there. You need to correct that. I definitely do. There's no question. But I think, you know, so I'll just talk about this from a storyteller's perspective. Like 
if you asked me, go ahead and go write a standalone story, and then later on make two sequels to it, but you're given the opportunity to do some prequels on top of that. So prequels are weird. And by, and by the way, prior to the Star Wars prequels, like prequel is like a part of our cultural lexicon now. But before the Star Wars prequels, there weren't a whole lot of prequels. Like you barely even recognize that Temple of Doom is a prequel to uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like it's that's even barely a recognizable. Yeah, because it's not thing. really played like one. Right. Exactly. It's not played like one. They're played as like standalone stories. So from a storytelling perspective, if you ask me to connect all of the dots without losing any details, I'd say, you've got to be kidding me. That's, that's basically an impossible thing to do unless I'm working on the Cimmerillion on the side and I just know everything there is to know about the world that I'm building, right? Right. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I love the fact that we have all of these properties. And, I mean, Legends really screws it all up because Legends has a bunch of stuff in it that's now no longer canon. Well, they um, had to. They had to throw that stuff out. Exactly. Because there's no way they could go forward. That's why right. they, they threw that out and created the story group for... And I mean, there's still small inconsistencies even with the, the story group, but at least they've, they've tightened it up as, as best they could. You know, when you, have, when you have an animated series and comics and movies and novels, they're probably doing the best you could do with something so large. Um, but it's funny because the thing, the Darth Vader thing didn't throw me off, uh, and neither did the plans thing. The thing that threw me off was like, yo, you know who R2-D2 is, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, dude, so he true. saved your life like twice, I think. <laughs> like, I mean, I haven't watched the prequels in a couple of months or so, but I want to say he saved your life twice. <laughs> Maybe three times. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that was a great question, Mike. Did you have something else you want to say? No, no. I just, like oh, okay. I said, it is it is kind of interesting because, uh, yeah, so many, it's it really, it's, you know, they have the, like most franchises now are, are, are going, you know, they start with one and they go forward, whereas, you know, this one kind of had to back up and then go, you know, it's gone in all sorts of different directions and it's kind of been interesting, but I, I do think that, um, you know, and, I, and and I'm really protective of A New Hope and uh, so sometimes when I hear people like, well, I don't really like that one the best. I'm like, what? You know, so, <laughs> right, uh, right. and I do feel like sometimes it kind of has been hurt by some of the stuff that's come uh, that's mid made afterwards that's displayed events that are supposed to be before it. Right. Right. Yeah, and no, that's I think why that's, a good point. that's why I think they should definitely go to Knights of the Old Republic or go to the Old Republic because. It's what what they say a thousand generations before before the prequels. So it's like you can do whatever you want there. Right. Right. Like stop messing around with like Han Solo movies and stuff. And not saying that it won't be good, but I'm just saying like you're messing around with time that could be, you know, where we could have these is- issues where it's like, hey man, R two D 2s mind wasn't wiped, so why doesn't he just tell Luke what's up? <laughs> or like what like like come on man. But if you're in like the old republic, or maybe if we tell a story uh, about wild space or something, we could tell those stories and not really screw up anything. And by and, the way, some of the stories that have been told in the old republic, like the Knights of the Old Republic games, are mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah, amazing so stories. It's I think that's where Maybe they're worried that it, it won't play well, you know, because it doesn't have, like, you know, Yoda or Han Solo or, you know, like, the names you know on it, you know, Luke or something like that. 
but it's it's probably their best bet for not bumping into anything. Right, right. Yeah, it's very true. Very true. Great question, uh, Mr. Gordon. Yeah, Thank definitely. you for adding it. Yeah, that was really I'm, glad, fun. I'm glad you guys had fun with it. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Hey guys, pardon my brief interruption here, but do you need a new pair of headphones? If you do, I want to tell you about our sponsor, Urban Vinyl. They make premium wood headphones that look amazing. But here's the thing, they're made by audiophiles for audiophiles, so they sound as good as they look. In fact, reviewers have called their headphones the best headphones on the market, better even than Bose and Beats. And you know what? I agree. They're what I use when I record this podcast. Please consider purchasing a pair using the link in the show notes. If you click the link to their website and use the promo code J, my name, my first name, J-A-Y, super simple, you save 15% and Urban Vinyl will make a donation to the Reclamation Society. So if you need headphones or you're looking to upgrade the pair that you currently have, definitely take a look at what Urban Vinyl has to offer. Click the link in the show notes to visit their website and use my name, J-A-Y, to get the 15% discount. Thanks for letting me interrupt. Now, let's get back to the show. We're going to close out our discussion on A New Hope by talking about some of the storytelling. So I'm glad that this question kind of transitions us to a a mindset about storytelling. Um, And the first question I have for you guys is, why do you think this story resonates with so many people? What elements of the story stand out to you as being something really important? And we'll start with you first, Mr. Young. Um, I think it's the, the you know, the forever long-standing fight for justice. You know, this is an oppressive government that's, you know, that someone has to stand up against. And you have this small little rebel alliance that's going to fight for what's right. It's, you know, it's David versus Goliath. And people will always you know, we'll always love that. You know, the little guy, you know, that's gonna take back what's, you know, take back what's his. It's the little guy who's gonna fight on behalf of everybody. The, you know, the guy that stops the bully, you know, the, and I think that's, I think that's why on, on the base level, it, you know, it resonates with everybody. And then you have the characters in there that everybody can, you know, you have the everyman and Luke. You got like the smooth talking kind of, you know, kind of, you know, swarthy, yet a little bit on the wrong side of the law kind of guy. Then you have the lady that's like, she don't take no mess, but she's still a lady, you know. And then <laughs> and then you have these very, very evil, you know, you have Darth Vader and Tarkin, you know, you have very easy people to not like, you know. So I think, I think that's it. It's the David versus Goliath battle. Um, you have this like, you know, one in a million shot chance, and you want them to win. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. What about you, Mr. Gordon? Absolutely. And you add to the fact that, uh, and I'll just uh, embellish that a little bit, where, you know, one person can make a difference. You know, mm-hmm. even if you are on the, you know, the, the, the planet that is furthest from where all the action is happening, um, you can, you know, if uh, circumstances, you know, arise and you're proactive about it, you can make a difference. And, uh, um, you know, everybody else is trying to get things done. Luke is the guy that gets things done. Um, and, uh, at least at the end, you know, and, and it's through mm-hmm. his, his, his heart and his beliefs, you know, and, um, cause it's not his experience as much as, I mean, he, he benefits from those who have experience, 
but um, you know he he it's it, he looks from that final shot when he uh, destroys it, he looks from within right I mean now granted he gets a he you know he gets an assist from Obi Wan in the Force but really it's it's he he turns off the computer you know he just lets himself guide uh the, guide the, the the bomb and and and, and, and it works and, and and boom you know he gets a medal um uh, mm-hmm. And I also think that George was very smart storytelling wise, where he made it s- generic enough so that people could bring their own experiences into this to and recognize them without being without there being a conflict. Like if he had really defined the Force, if he had really defined the Empire, if he had really defined like a, some of the circumstances that were going on there, then that might alienate some people because they wouldn't be able to relate to it but instead he kept it all generic enough that you anybody can go in and recognize what's going on here and and sort of uh uh attach themselves to to the characters they're supposed to Mm. yeah absolutely agree wholeheartedly with both of those um takes a couple other things i threw in there is like I mean, we talked about how the world building became more complex and maybe that takes us out of the story, but let's just stay with A New Hope for a second and just go with that world building. Like, not only does he address the fact that there's a spiritual force like we already talked about, he addresses the fact that this is like a galaxy full of people. He addresses the fact that the Empire is um, evil and big and fascist and something that... Uh, we want to rebel against, right? Because we see the, that we want to be with Luke as he um, goes after his principles instead of falling in alignment with the, alignment with the Academy, like he's thinking about doing. Um, and the, I mean, just the fact that we can go from a farm, a moisture farm, which is, by the way, we could probably do an entire podcast about how interesting a moisture farm is. <laughs> um, yeah. But he goes from a moisture farm to the most icy spaceport and that's where we meet all these other characters and we go wow this world is just so amazing um so from a from a world building standpoint the story is phenomenal from a character development standpoint this kid um like you guys have already talked about grows into this idea where he can fight the evil empire and he and he he focuses in and doesn't get distracted, and he—he's the one that's able to do it, even though he have, has all these kind of veterans of the rebellion around him who've been fighting for years, um, and he's thrown into this conflict. Um, and Mike, as you talked about, Mike, Mike Gordon, as you talked about earlier, when you said like this team coming together, this brilliant team coming together, and like you said, I, I hadn't even thought of this until now, but it really is the only time we see this team. Um, fighting together because they'll be separated in the next film very early on in the film they'll be separated uh really great i mean the story is just so good it hits all its major points it has a beginning it has a middle it has a it has a fantastic third act and every single part of that um really fits really 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 well which then brings me to my next question this is the last question that we actually have um has been a fantastic discussion so far um when Lucas wrote A New Hope, he was playing with the concept of mythology. And he's, I mean, it's very uh, publicly discussed that he used Joseph Campbell's A Hero's Journey as his go-to source of material. So 
you'd think as a writer I, and as a huge fan of Star Wars, I would have looked at this years and years ago. But of course, this is the first time I looked at it. Um, <laughs> I I realized that um, A New Hope is a really important f- uh, kind of first part into the hero's journey. So I don't think A New Hope covers all the hero's journey, which is good for us because we've been going at this for two hours already, a little over two hours already. But I do want to talk about the first part, the beginning elements of the hero's journey. Um, and that hero's journey is labeled as departure. So the very beginning of a hero's journey is called departure. And I'm just going to walk us through some of the moments that the hero's journey calls for. And I want to get your guys' take on to where you think that occurs in Star Wars. Does that make sense? Cool. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> this is, AKA, this is Luke's afternoon. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yo. <laughs> it's so funny. True. So true. <laughs> it's so true. And what's interesting about that is I tried to find connections to the rest of the hero's journey. But then I realized that all throughout the rest of the hero's journey, that's Empire and Return. So yeah. uh, I couldn't fit those key elements into A New Hope. So if you guys can find connection points, then let me know. But um, these are really fascinating to me. So as we think about departure, the first thing about the first component of departure is the call to adventure, a call from normality, from what you know is normal, into the unknown. So when do you think this happens for Luke? Um, well, um, man, I think well the call itself. I mean, I think he's been feeling it. I think you see that when he looks at the two sons. You know, I mm-hmm. mean, he's definitely getting that call. But really, when the when you know when he, I don't think he's really embraced it until they decide to go to Mos Eisley. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What about you? What about you, Mister Young? What do you think? Um. Well, I guess I guess he's sort of first call, like you know, like Gordon said, with you know, always looking to the suns and everything. But I think when, um, when Obi-Wan says, hey, you got to come to me with to Alderaan. And at first, of course, the unknown is so scary. You know, change is scary. Unknown is scary. The second he says, he's like, I can't go to Alderaan. You know, I got I got to get power converters and I got to do. And it's like, so it's it's funny because he wants more. But when he's faced with the opportunity for more, like and this happens in real life, when you're faced with the opportunity for more, that fear of the unknown makes you cling back to what you said you didn't want mm-hmm. or that you wanted more of or wanted something beyond of. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's interesting. So he kind of, you know, he's called to adventure and he's like, well, no. But then, of course, circumstances happen with his family and his ranch that he's kind of like pushed out of the nest. Um, so, yeah, I think maybe sort of when Obi-Wan says, hey, you should come to Alderaan with me, or what, however he phrases it. Yeah, that, that's actually the exact take I had, too. Because I think you're right, um, Mike Gordon, in that like, we have a setup where this is somebody who wants an adventure, and an adventure to them does kind of look like just following the footsteps of his friends by entering the academy. And then he's disrupted by this whole fact that Obi-Wan is basically saying to him like, oh no, we're going to go do something. This lady that you see in the, uh, in this hologram, um, that you're very enamored with, like, let's go save her. And he's kind of like, uh, hang on a second. I, I was just going to go to the Academy. Like, 
Um, I mean, Tashi Station looks pretty good in comparison, but I'm not sure. So, uh, yeah, so, so that's good. I think that those are really interesting takes on where the Call to Adventure comes from, so that's cool. Um, the next part of it is the refusal of the call. So, Mr. Young, where do you think the refusal happens? Uh, I think it's sort of kind of like when, uh, when they're kind of sort of going back and forth about Alderaan and um, how he can't do it. It's like, it's too much. He has things to do here, even though he doesn't really want to be here. Um, and I think, of course, you know, this is the hero's journey from Joseph Campbell. So it's like, these are things that the story kind of has to have. You know, he has to be sort of reluctant, I guess. But, um, yeah, I think it's when he, when he, because he, he responds so quickly. Like, almost like it's baked into him, like you can't leave, mm. you know. Because he's like, hey, you, you need to come to Alderaan with me. Oh, I can't go to Alderaan. It's like, it's almost so fast that it's like, it's just a program response. Like, hey, I can't go anywhere. I'll be here forever working on the farm with my uncle, blah, blah, blah. You know, kind of like that. Right, 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 right. So, Mr. Gordon, what about you? What did you think the refusal of the call looked like? It's an interesting thing. It's another uh, aspect that kind of you look at it a little bit differently after seeing the prequels. Because when you just watch this movie, you think Uncle Owen is a, is a jerk. You know? <laughs> He's like, you're just going to work for me, and that's it. You know, there's that one line that he's given, though, where she says... You can't, you know, Baru says, you can't keep him here. He's got too much of his father in him. He's mm -hmm. like, that's what scares me. Now, now I don't know if he knows that Anakin is Darth Vader. Um, um, so I don't know how, if he knows the extent of how bad, like, because I would think that the last thing you would want to do is have Luke become, like, a big bad villain, right? Right. You just, that, you. I mean, you're, you were chosen to and it's in his family so you have to keep this boy safe and you know what his lineage is capable of mm. um, at least to some extent so your primary job is to keep this kid safe and of course he's going to rebel against it mm. but um uh yeah so that when he says you know when he says to obi-wan uh i can't go with you i've got this harvest and i got to do this and that and the other thing and and Obi-Wan throws it right back in his face. He's like, that's your uncle talking. You're damn right it is. Because, like, his <laughs> uncle is trying to keep him safe. That's not a bad instinct to have. If Luke had just said, yeah, sure, I'll go with you. Like, like, <laughs> like I mean, it, it's, it's an important one. It, it does, it, you know, it's, this shouldn't be something that you should take lightly. Um, because this is going to change everything. And you do have the risk of, of, of becoming a completely different person out of this right right yeah 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 exactly i think you guys are all cap i mean that's like a complete capture i have like pretty much nothing to add to those two captures um what i do think is interesting about the hero's journey is that the hero refuses the call is part of the journey like um even though the the hero is built for adventure i think that there's something and what i think is so interesting about the hero's journey is that there's even something about us as human beings that we sort of want to recoil against change even though our hearts desire to see a bigger better thing happen we sort of all of a sudden like when we get that call we kind of go oh yeah i don't know that's that's gonna make me have to change a lot of the things that i actually like as well um which is interesting and there might be something to that too where those people who seek adventure might be doing so for questionable reasons whereas if your first instinct is to like you're reluctant to do that and you're you only do it because it's something that you have to do 
um, in order to, you know, make the world a better place or to save somebody or something like that, that seems to come from a better place than, oh, I just don't want to be here with these deadbeats. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's a fantastic point. So I think this one is probably pretty obvious <laughs> but the next part of the journey is that the hero gets supernatural aid um which is either a supernatural guide which usually appears and then often grants the hero a talisman or artifact so what did you see mr gordon as that artifact oh, well he's here's your here's your dad's lightsaber <laughs> boom it's, it's 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 pretty obvious i mean obviously he goes through the steps of of training him as well and so we see you know him you know he's introduced to the force in in a way that he didn't know about before and we see him uh, through the course you know uh, get a little bit of training tips along the way from uh from obi-wan but yes obi-wan is quite literally the supernatural guide yeah did you have a different take from that michael young uh, nah, this definitely, you know, like Obi-Wan, <laughs> Obi-Wan opens his eyes to so much, you know, so it's, it's, he's definitely, and it's funny when you go through these things, they seem very one and two and three and four, but it's not what you do, it's how you do it. Because there's yes. many stories that follow this same, you know, this same structure and they seem kind of tired or antiquated or, you know, kind of just, you know, just run through like they're just kind of churned out for numbers but this just connects um yeah it just when it's does. done well it works yeah it just connects and of course you know when he reveals even the slow reveal of the you know the lightsaber he takes it out the the box with like such with such care it's like he's holding something that's valuable you know he doesn't he's not just like here's your dad's lightsaber take it you know <laughs> he you know he he you know, takes it out of the box and he's like, this is, you know, this is a weapon. It's like, what do you say? Like for elegant time or something like a more sophisticated time or something like that. I can't remember. But, um, you know, he he regards it with value. So then we kind of value it because he values it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This last one, this last portion of departure um, and when we get into the Empire Strikes Back podcast, I'm sure I'll walk some people through the hero's journey on that too, but it's called Crossing the Threshold. And this is when the hero moves out of normalcy and into the adventure. So Mr. Young, where do you, when do you think that occurs? What, what point in the movie would you say that Luke is moving out of normalcy? Uh, the second that he comes back to the ranch. I think when he come, when, even when he sees the ranch from afar and like the smoke and fire, I think it's that moment when he's like, I don't know what I'm into, but I've gotten into some, these droids have gotten me into something else. You know, like once he sees, especially when he sees the, the bodies, you know, and they're like uh, disintegrated or burnt down or whatever, that he knows that, okay, this is, I don't know what I'm in, but I'm in for a whole new, like, this is a whole new experience for me. Yeah. And did you, did you have sort of a similar take, Mr. Young, or Mr. Gordon? Absolutely. That, that speeder ride back uh, to the uh, Jawas must have been such an emotional one for him. Uh, because he's basically saying goodbye to normal. He's saying goodbye to the farm. He's saying goodbye to his quote-unquote parents for all his life, really. Um, and uh, and on to this new adventure, and he has no idea what's going to happen next, 
but he, uh, you know, to give him credit, he he's embracing it. You know, he he's not full of vengeance. He doesn't come back and say they killed my parents. You know, I must make <laughs> them pay. You know, which is which is beautiful. Like yeah. you know, I mean, so many so many superhero stories, so many hero stories, so many movies and and tales that we have. Uh, not to say that they're all bad, but it's just such a it comes at such a place of violence and negativity that it's it's just you know it, it's it's so beautiful that this film chose to and i don't think it's a coincidence it's i think it's the one of the beautiful things about this movie and why it's so well regarded and why people love it so much is because it didn't come back and feel you know like like full of vengeance and i want to get them and he doesn't he doesn't i don't think at any time he well <clears throat> I, I take that back when after obi-wan gets struck down even though he kind of lets himself do that uh gets struck down uh, you can tell luke's kind of acting out of a little bit of anger there like sure, you sure. know um, uh, so, uh, but that's about the only time I think. Yeah, and, and I love. Well, first of all, that's a fantastic point. The other thing I love is that as soon as we see um, Luke leave the farm, everything is no longer normal. I mean, just the fact that he they walk into the cantina, and the first thing that happens is the bartender goes, uh, "Listen, idiot, we don't serve their kind here. Like, clearly, you've never been here before, <laughs> right? Like, um, even the fact that we just see that, like, that's he doesn't know what normal is. Um, he doesn't know that the response to uh, Pando, Pando Baba and uh, and do- whatever the doctor's name is right. um, is like, oh, well, I'll be careful. That's like. <laughs> That's not the response those guys are looking for, <laughs> clearly, right? So, um, yeah, I just think it's just so good. The, the hero's journey is done so well. And, this, the, and like, I mean, you said it, uh, Mr. Young, you said, like, the way you do it is so important. And George Lucas did this exemplary. I mean, like, he just went through this in such a way that we walk through this with Luke and we explore and discover with Luke. And it is such a fun process. Um, any other thoughts about Star Wars A New Hope before we just close out the podcast? Can, 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 we, can we start a new podcast with new thoughts? <laughs> yeah, we almost yeah. need to. Well, I'll say this. Uh, I watched this. Uh, I watched the special edition. I have the special editions. And I know there's a lot of hate for them, but I watched the special edition. This is just fine. Like, I don't really... I, it doesn't take anything away from my viewing. And I guess I've seen the special edition so many times now that it's the normal edition now. It's just the regular one. But I know that there's the original in the, you know, theatrical run print that we'll probably never, ever see. But, um, you know, I watched the special edition and I was just fine with it. Like, you know, you have I know you have your sequence with Jabba that people aren't too keen on or, you know, you have your the extra kind of fill ins. But I thought some of the extra fill-ins were actually kind of nice. So, um, yeah, don't be afraid of that special edition. I actually watched <laughs> the special edition when I, uh, for the, when I redid the rewatch for the 40th anniversary as well. Um, and uh, at first I was reluctant to do so because I was like, oh, I'm celebrating the 40th anniversary. I want to see the original. But um, uh, to be honest, I hadn't watched the special edition in a while. So it was, it was kind of nice. Uh, most of the things that I'm not comfortable with that they added – are done with by the time they when, by the time they leave Moss Eisley, that's it. There's hardly anything else. Everything else I think is an enhancement. Like the 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 Death Star battle, is particularly the um, animation of the X wings and all that, 
Oh, so beautiful. Yeah. So much more beautiful than than it was in the original release. Not to say that it was bad, but oh my goodness, the special edition is just, oh man, so good. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And there's just these, every time you guys talk about something new, it, it reminds me of some element that I just think is like, it's just a small detail, but it ends up being so cool. Like the fact that they're cruising in with the X-Wings and the dude's like lock X, S-foils in, um, which by the way, I don't know why they're called S-foils when it's an X-Wing, but th- yeah. it's confusing with the letters. <laughs> um, but when he goes lock the S-foils in attack position and then those things just open up and you're just like, I don't know who thought of doing that, but that is just such a minute detail that says, no, but what if the the wings of the ship move when it's going in and out of attack mode? I mean, that's just so cool. It's just such a cool thought to have. Um, so I think I do think we could record a, another entire podcast on A New Hope by itself, but we won't do that now. I'm so <laughs> thankful to you guys for joining me. It's a long afternoon, but a fun afternoon talking about Star Wars. So yeah, definitely, absolutely, can't complain about that. Um, just remind the people where they can find you if they want to find you and and have further discussions on Star Wars or whatever other geek stuff you guys are talking about. Uh, I guess I'll go first. Uh, you can find me online that nerd soul, which is T H A T N E R D S O U L. Also, you can find me on YouTube. Just search Nerd Soul, one word, N E R D S O U L. Um, Sundays, I'm doing the uh, video <laughs> live stream of Jedi Alliance, 7 p.m. PST. And if you like The Strain, I'm on AfterBuzz Network uh, doing an after show for The Strain where we can all hate Zach together. Uh, but yeah, uh, just uh, tweet at me. Um, let me know what you like, what you dislike. We can always talk geek stuff um, and have a lot of fun. Absolutely. Uh, you can find me on, uh, of course, uh, Earth Station One, uh, ESOPodcast.com, ESOnetwork.com. Uh, we release uh, one of those every week. Uh, the last thing that we did was a book review of the original uh, classic uh, novel of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which I also read around the same time I saw Star Wars in 1970. So yes, I've been feel I've been stuck in the 70s uh, for the last few days, for the last <laughs> week. Um, but uh, and of course. Uh, my comics and all the books that we're involved with, uh, you can check out at newlegendmike.com. And uh, I appreciate the opportunity, Jay. This is so much fun. Thank you so much. Yeah, I had a great time. Appreciate you both taking your afternoon and talk Star Wars. And uh, thanks for joining me. Really appreciate it. Thanks. <laughs> thanks, thanks. We appreciate May it. May the too. force be with you. And also with you, sir. Also with you. That is it for today's podcast. Now it's time for you to share your thoughts on today's topic. Write us an email at hi at reclamationsociety.org or head over to one of our social media accounts and get in touch with us there. Links are in the show notes. If you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe. And if you have an extra minute, write us a review or share this episode with one of your geek friends. All right, fellow geeks. As always, question everything in your favorite stories and always seek the truth. We'll catch you on the next podcast.